Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. So glad you are here. Thank you for being a part of this service today as we continue God's wisdom for healthy relationships. And I hope that you're here today hungry for healthy relationships or hungry-er relationships. Um, now, just like a couple of weeks ago, I said, hey, this, this relationship uh, sermon this morning is going to be just for single people. This morning, it's going to be primarily for married people, but single people, there's a lot of application for you too. Lots of application for relationships in your life too. But I want to really speak to the married people. Especially those of you who've been married for a little while, you've been married a year, two years, or more, you have probably invariably come to a place in your marriage where you're like, ooh, this is hard. I'm not sure this is going to work. And maybe, just maybe, you have asked this question, if not out loud, in your own mind, you've asked this question. You, you asked, what if, what would you do, pardon me, let's take a look at that together. What would you do when your feelings fade when your spouse changes and you feel like that you are married to a stranger. Have you ever had that feeling before? Where it's like, the feelings aren't quite what they used to be. This person is totally different and I feel like I'm married to a stranger right now, okay? Dr. Stanley Hauerwas put it beautifully in his kind of famous article on sex and politics. He's a famous theologian, but this is what he had to say about this moment in marriage, and everybody's going to face it. When we, <clears throat> we never know whom we marry, we just think we do. Or even if we, at first we marry the right person, just give it a little while, and he or she will change. He goes on to say, for marriage, being the enormous thing that it is, means that we are not the same person after we have entered it. The primary problem is learning how to love and care for the stranger to whom you find yourself married. That's a great statement, and that's what we want to talk about today, because many of us have been there or are there right now, or somebody you love is there, or you're watching this online, and you're like, been there, done that, got the t-shirt from that. I, I know how that feels, because everybody changes all the time. Marriage, as he says, changes us. Children, oh my goodness, change us, don't they? Children change us. Careers change us. Aging changes us. While I'm talking to you right now, you're changing. Now, it may seem a little depressing, but it doesn't have to be for the bad, right? Part of the reason why you came to church today is to change for the better. We're glad you are here. But change is just a part of life. It's an inevitability that we're all going to experience. And when we come into marriage, this is really interesting. Marriage has a way of bringing out and revealing and bringing to the surface our faults, our flaws, and our sins like no other relationship ever. And there they are for your spouse to see. They're in full view of your spouse. And it leaves you asking and your spouse sometimes, how did I not see this earlier? <laughs> how did I not see this in you? And how did you not see this in me earlier. Were we just blind? Well, the short answer to that is kind of, all right? When we first enter into marriage, most of us, I'm not going to say everybody, but most of us enter in into that in love feeling. 
This in love feeling is awesome. At its peak, it is euphoric, isn't it? I mean, you are, for all practical purposes, just obsessed with each other. You think about each other all the time. And even if you happen to see the flaws in the other person, which you probably won't see many, but if, during that season, if you do see some, you'll think, no problem. We're going to figure it out. You know why? Because we're so in love. We are in love with each other. Like, it's real. As a matter of fact, it's so real to you when you see older couples that seem to have lost that love and feeling. You know what I'm talking about? You think to yourself, oh, I feel so sorry for them because, like, they must not have the real thing like we got the real thing, and not everybody does, and that's why people just don't understand. They don't understand this. If this love is so intense, it kind of scares our parents a little bit, but we are like so into that. Like, it's, yeah, come on. It's awesome, right? So what happens over time? Experts tell us this in-love feeling will last anywhere from a couple of months to two years, but inevitably it will fade. And all of those flaws and falls that seem so inconsequential early on will become looming large on you. They become really big, don't they? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And both you and your spouse are left asking the question, I didn't really know this person, and now I'm married to them. Oh, my gosh. And they're asking the same question. And therein lies the challenge. It's in that moment, at that crossroads right there. What are we going to do now? Where do we go from here in the marriage? Especially if you started the marriage with the cultural idea or cultural definition of soulmate. And what is the culture? How is it defined soulmate? It's simply a person who's not going to try to change you. They're just there to try to help you achieve your goals in life. They just want to help you get your goals. So the moment that the person across from you, your spouse, is not there, they are trying to change you. And you, to be really honest, you're like, and I'd like to change some things about her too, you know, or him. You know, I'd like to change something. The moment that that starts to happen, the assumption will come to you Oh, man, I messed up. I made a bad choice. We must not be compatible like I thought we were. We, we, we missed the boat like, oh, man, I'm swinging a miss. Sorry, okay, no harm, no foul. Let's just get divorced. Let's move on. We'll see if we can find somebody else. But what about, instead of a whole string of those types of stories, what if we redefined our understanding of marriage? What if... You expected marriage to be about helping each other to grow out of your sins and flaws and into your new self that God is creating. What if you had this new approach to say, hey, maybe part of this drawing attention to spotting and identifying these things in each other, maybe that's a part of our growth process. Maybe this isn't something to run from. Maybe this is something to embrace as a matter of fact, if we'll pick up where we left off last week from our text over in Ephesians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul was laying out for us in the first few verses leading up to verse 25, the love between a man and a woman, between a husband and a wife, what that love is supposed to look like. Husbands loving a wife, a wife loving their husband in a complimentary way. We looked at this last week. And he says, just as that this relationship should be like this relationship. So let's take a look at this relationship. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her 
holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. In other words, he's saying this relationship of marriage should reflect the kind of relationship that Jesus has with us as his people, with the church, which is that it should help to wash us with the word of God to bring God's truth into our life to help us to become more like Jesus to help us to be um, closer with God to be able to be, serve in God's service and to be able to serve God in this lifetime and come to know him and through doing that we come to understand our fulfillment of our purpose as his people in this lifetime and marriage is a vehicle through which God wants to use to bring that about in our life. So if we begin to look at marriage as an opportunity to help sharpen each other, Proverbs 27, 17, as, one part, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, right? That we're to help sharpen each other, to help each other in this growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So if we begin to start with that definition of, of marriage, that when these seasons of strangerhood come, we won't be so shocked. We will expect them because that would be just like par for the course. That's, that's part of growing spiritually. We would see that in each other and we'd roll up our sleeves and say, it's time to go to work. This is when we love each other. We pray for each other. We're there for each other, even if they don't reciprocate right now because it's hard, it's difficult, they're going through something really difficult, and we work together through this. And it's a whole different perspective. So the, the next question I want us to ask is, what are the tools that God has provided for this to work? How does he want us to go about doing this? Well, the first tool, um, think about these as three power tools God's given us to be able to work on our marriage. The first one is the power of truth the power of truth and i think we could all agree especially those of you who are married there is no relationship under heaven where truth is shared more than in marriage right you can't help but talk about the pure unvarnished unflattering truth about each other because you're faced with it like no one else has ever been faced with it in your life in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, so this is one chapter prior to the one we were looking at, he says, speaking the, let's say it together, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Who's he talking about? Into Christ. To become like Jesus. That we are to speak the truth in love. And this is not applied just to marriage. This is for every relationship in the body of Christ, that we should help each other, to speak the truth and love to each other, to help us grow up. And the one thing about marriage, as I said, we come closer than anybody has ever come to each other, so we're more aware, keenly aware, of each other's faults and flaws and sins than anybody else ever has. So this makes it challenging, this makes it difficult. This is very different from just cohabitating just living together. Because when you're just living together, you can move on when it stops being fun. Why? Because it's a very, very shallow commitment. There's nothing really holding you there. It's just like, yeah, we're going to do this for a while. See how it works out. But in marriage, it's really different, right? You are connected. You are unified. 
legally, financially, socially, you know, all the same people, right? You're connected emotionally, spiritually, physically, and all of the ways you are connected. This is a one flesh, God says. And this is how we come together. And it's in that relationship, that is something that we have to begin to work out with the power of God helping us. So right now what I want to ask you to do is to begin to think about what are those issues that come up in your marriage or if you're hoping to be married someday or at least you're open to it, what are some of the issues that are deep down in you that maybe you haven't dealt with or uh, need to be dealt with that are going to probably come out or, 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 um, or, or have already come out? that gets you to really think about specifically, because I think we get more helpful when we get more specific, right? So this is a segment of the message I'm going to call All Up In Your Business, okay? So we're going to talk about some specific things that maybe you have dealt with or are dealing with right now, and this is some stuff maybe you and your spouse can talk about over lunch or later after the kids, you know, take a nap or something. Okay, so here are a couple things I want you to think about. Is this something I struggle with? Okay, so here's the question. What are the flaws that your spouse will see if you're single, hope to be married, or if you're currently married, has seen in you that maybe they brought up and that conversation didn't go so well? Okay, so here's the first one. Maybe you tend to be fearful or you've been told you are. You, you tend to have a lot of worry and anxiety, right? Maybe you're proud. You're very opinionated and you've kind of can be a little pushy about your opinions, right? Maybe you're inflexible. You tend to be real rigid, and you just like things the way you like them. You want the stuff you want, and that's just kind of like it's not a problem as long as you do what I want, right? Maybe you're somebody who you've been told you're abrasive. You tend to use harsh words. You're somebody that people tend to respect, but they don't really love, right? It's real hard to be around for very long. Undisciplined. Maybe you've been told that that you tend to be um, a, a little um, uh, scattered, unorganized. You're, you're someone who's not real um, able to, reliable to come through. Now, the same person, we probably say, man, but they're a lot of fun to be around, right? They're really fun. Maybe you're oblivious. You just kind of walk around and you just have no idea. You're sort of uh, uh, unaware of how you're coming off to other people. And now for the first time, somebody's saying, hey, you know how you're coming off to people, right? And you're like, what? No, uh, that couldn't be happening. Yes, that's happening, okay? Perfectionists. Maybe you tend to be critical of yourself and other people, you know, and without realizing you tend to be a little judgmental, okay? And that has maybe come up before. And finally, holding grudges. You have a hard time. You're not quick to forgive. You can have a temper sometimes. You can hold on to that anger a little bit too long. Now, with this list, obviously this is not an exhaustive list. We could go on and on and on and on. I'm just going to give you a little sampling. But probably one or more of these things has come up in a conversation even before you got married. Now, just to level the playing field, let me just say real quick, me, Pastor Will, I have violated all of these things. Just ask my wife, Leslie, okay? I have blown it in all these areas. But I bet you have probably had one or more of these things brought up by your mom and dad, by a sibling, maybe by a friend or a roommate. And you may have kind of listened to them and then you kind of ignored them and you kind of blew it off and said, oh, not a big deal. You're making a big deal out of it. But what was a minor issue 
in your friendships becomes a major issue in your marriage. Let me explain that. Because take something like holding grudges. That, that's a problem in your, in your relationships, in your friendships, right? Holding grudges. But you bring holding grudges into a marriage that can kill your marriage, right? Totally different. And you may be thinking, well, my spouse is making a way bigger deal about my fault, about my weakness, my flaws than anybody else ever has. And let me tell you why. Because they know you and are up close and personal with you closer than anybody ever has. So they are keenly aware of it because it affects them more than anybody else you have ever known. And it doesn't matter who you're married to. They're all going to feel the pain of those flaws. And it's going to force you to have to pay attention to them. Think about it like this. Imagine for just a moment an old stone bridge over a little stream of water. Yeah, something like that. Okay, so this little stone bridge, let's, let's say you probably can't see this, but there are tiny little fault lines that run all through in between the rocks, the stones that this thing was made probably 100 years ago now. And so it's really showing its age, and you can't see it unless you're just like really closely inspecting it. And so there's these little fissures, these little fault lines all through there, little flaws. Now, imagine for a minute a 10-ton Mack truck drives over our cute little bridge here, all right? Now, all that weight and all that pressure on the bridge, what is it going to do? It's going to begin to bring those little fault lines. They're going to ee, ee, ee. It's going to open them up, right? And now, all of a sudden, it will reveal to anybody who's looking the fault lines that were there. In other words, did the truck create the faults in the bridge? Yes or no? No. They, the truck just revealed the fault lines and flaws that were already in the bridge. Okay? And in a similar way, your spouse, when you got married, you got married, your spouse is like that Mack truck driving right down the middle of your heart. Okay, and they don't mean to, it's not their fault, it is just the nature of the magnitude of this commitment of marriage. It's bigger than any human commitment, bar none. There is nothing that comes close to it. But the pressure and the weight of that kind of a commitment and that a person coming that close to you will create in you, um, it will begin to expose some things. So in a similar way to the Mack truck and the bridge, marriage doesn't create your weakness. Even though sometimes we say, no, 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 you're the one who made me blow up. You're the one who brought this out of me. No, they couldn't bring something out of you that wasn't already in you. I'm sorry, that was already there. They didn't have to conjure that up. It was already in you. It only revealed them. It only reveals the faults that were already there. And so when they begin to love you, they come close to you, these things will become more and more obvious to you. And we must realize that your spouse is, uh, is exposing the sinful nature, the sins, pardon me, you must realize it is not your spouse who is exposing the sinfulness of your heart, it's marriage itself. In other words, it's not that individual person Anybody you're married to, these are going to be an issue for people. 
God just happens to use this incredible God-ordained um, relationship of marriage to be the catalyst that is exposing your faults so that you will deal with them. In other words, marriage doesn't so much bring you into confrontation with your spouse as it does bring you in confrontation with yourself. For the first time, you're having to look in the mirror and say, I gotta work on that guy. I gotta work on that girl, ladies, right? We've gotta, we've gotta be willing to start owning this stuff because for the first time ever, maybe in your marriage, you're hearing the, and people get appalled by this, like they're hearing the truth about themselves for the first time, this unvarnished, un unfiltered truth, and they're saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute, I must have married the wrong person. And we're making the wrong assumption, we're coming to the wrong conclusion, it's not the person, it's the relationship itself that God is using to begin to transform us. But this is not a bad thing. We don't, don't look at this like, oh my gosh, I, I, I have to get out of here. This is painful. This is difficult. I mean, let's be honest. All maturity, especially deep spiritual growth, is hard work, but it is some of the best work you can do. Don't run from it. Be willing to look at it and say, you're right. I need to work on this. Let it do its work of exposing the dark places of your character that need to be worked on and surrendered to God. Because it's only those areas of our life that we don't work on that can really enslave us. As a matter of fact, counselors will tell you the only flaws that can enslave you are the ones that you are blind to. It's the dark places in your character that you're unwilling to work on, that you're living in denial. You are giving those parts of yourself, your flaws, your fault lines, you're giving them power to control you. You become their slave, in other words. They will own your life and they will destroy your relationships and they will destroy your life if you're not willing to deal with them and be honest about them. And Jesus said as much in John chapter 8, verse 32. He says, you need to know the, let's say it together, know the the truth, and the truth will set you free. There is freedom here. This is the only way to freedom. Face the truth about you. Now, marriage is not the only place that can happen, but I'm telling you, if you're married, it will be the primary place God will use to make you confront the truth that's inside of you, all right? The areas that you need to work on, the areas you need to surrender to him, and God will use your spouse. Stop looking at them like they're the enemy. This is the gateway to freedom. This is the pathway to freedom for you if you will deal with it, if you will own it and surrender it to God and let it be something that God uses for good instead of for division and hurt in your relationship. So here's the question before we move on. Does your spouse have the right to talk to you about what's wrong with you? <laughs> Just straightforward. Have you given them permission? Will you listen to them? Or do you say, no, 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 that's off limits. I'm not talking about that. Mm -mm. Don't bring it up. Do you just have certain areas in your marriage that are just taboo? Don't bring them up. As long as we just leave that under the rug, we're good. I'm telling you, you're not good. You need to deal with it. You need to talk about them. Health and growth Christ-likeness comes from bringing the stuff out of the darkness and into the light. So you can talk about it. 
start to talk about it. So here's the next power, the power of love. We talked about the power of truth, the power of love. Let's go back to our verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Speaking the truth in love, right? We're not just speaking truth, but we're speaking, this is how we're to speak the truth, in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. We want to speak the truth. Now, it's powerful how God has given you the opportunity, those of you who are married, to be able to heal the hurts of your spouse's past. Let me explain what I mean by that. And you do that through your love. Every one of us comes into marriage with a self-image. Every one of us has a self-image. And what is a self-image? It's an assessment of your worth. And what did that assessment of worth come from? It came from every single verdict that has ever been passed on you by every person you have ever known. And some of those verdicts, let's be honest, were devastating. They are painful. They hurt you and still hurt you to today. Some of the people, the things that they've said, things that they have done, the way they've betrayed you, hurt you, broke your heart. Here's what's so beautiful about marriage is that God blesses this marriage relationship and brings these two people so close together. No one has ever known you like your spouse. Therefore, the love of your spouse has the power to overturn those verdicts. It has the power. God will use them to overturn. He can redeem and he can reprogram your self-image. In other words, God uses them to redeem the past. All that horrible stuff that you've done, that was done to you, can be covered over by love. And you can finally feel healed and whole and right before God when you let somebody love you like that. When you let somebody in like that, it's powerful. The Apostle Peter talks about this in 1 Peter 4, 8. He says, above all, love each other deeply. And this is for the whole church, right? Not just for married couples. Because love covers over a, let's say it together, covers over a multitude of sins. All those sins committed against you, all those sins in your past that you committed God's love through them can cover over that, can heal you, can bring you to a place where you become a totally different person. The change can be like so life-giving and so beautiful, but you have to be open to it and you have to be willing to face the truth, speak the truth in love, to ask the other person, how can I love you better? Have an honest heart-to-heart, how am I doing? can I do better, and how can I do better? Those are critical questions that married couples ought to be asking each other. How can I do this better? Here's the next power I want to talk to you about, last one, is the power of grace. Because one of the issues that happens in every relationship is that truth and love can get out of kilter. The only way to bring those two together, that they work in unison and concert together, is with grace. And let me just define real quick grace. Grace means that Jesus offers you undeserved forgiveness, therefore you can offer other people undeserved forgiveness. Namely, your spouse. You can offer your spouse undeserved forgiveness. It's so critical. And it gets out of kilter in so many relationships. And let's talk about those for just a second. Sometimes there's truth, so much truth, and very little love or no love. And sometimes there's a lot of love, but not really any truth being spoken. And in both situations, it causes catastrophe. Truth without love causes constant fighting. 
Man, there's lots of truth being spit out there, but no love, right? It just pushes each other further away, bigger and bigger wedge between you. Lots of truth. Like, I'm just telling them the truth. Yeah, but if you're not doing it with love, it doesn't work. They don't receive it, right? It's hard. The second one is love without truth. So like, in order, in, in order to try to be loving, I'm not gonna bring up certain things. I'm not, we're just never gonna talk about it. I'm just gonna ghost you in this area, right? And we just like sweep it under the rug and act like it doesn't exist and both avoid the underlying problems and they never get faced. And guess what? When you don't really know them and they don't really know you, you don't really feel loved. And in both of these scenarios, people come away saying, I don't really feel loved in this relationship. I feel like it is struggle all the time. And so the way to bring those two together is grace. It's learning to receive God's undeserved forgiveness and being able to extend it to other people. Here's what grace makes possible. Grace makes possible the two most important skills in marriage, forgiveness and repentance. Because think about it. If you're on the receiving end of someone's faults, sins, their weaknesses, and you're getting offended, you're getting hurt, you're the one that got put upon, you gotta forgive. If you don't let that go, it will infect your relationship like a cancer and eat it alive, right? You gotta be able to forgive. And the forgiveness that Jesus gave you it, uh, allows you to give it to other people, right? As you have been forgiven, so you must forgive. Jesus' challenge to us. And then, or his command to us, rather. Forgiveness, and then the second one is repentance. So if you're on the receiving end of the, of the truth, someone is sharing truth and love, and you're hearing it, you need to be able to have the maturity to say, you're right, I'm gonna work on it. I'm gonna turn from that hurt, that evil, that flaw, that whatever it is, it's hurting you, it's pushing you away. <clears throat> I'm gonna take it to heart, and I'm gonna work on it. And that's what repentance is. It's turning away from the old behavior, the old attitude, the old ways of thinking. It's turning back to God and to his ways. And we do this through his truth. It's powerful how it can change us. And what's beautiful about grace also is that grace now allows us to approach those stranger seasons of life with grace, with truth and love in hand and to be able to persevere through those things. It allows us to be able to continue to pray for and to challenge each other in this journey of becoming more like Christ, which is the heartbeat and mission behind marriage, is that ultimately we are to help each other as we grow to become like the one who we've been created in his image. And it's in that growth into the future self that God will grow us closer together and closer to him. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.